Hello. Welcome to Science Factual. Prepare yourself for factual download. Sequence commencing. Give it up for the seatbelts, everybody. Konnichiwa to all you hip cats and cowboys out there, and welcome to episode 75 of Science Factual, the show that dives into the facts behind your favorite science fiction. I'm your host, Reese Hendrick, and today we're wrangling up some facts on one of my favorite anime series, Cowboy Bebop, with guest comedian Jeff Morris. We met up before Jeff took off for Japan in search of hentai made illegal here in the United States for having too many tentacles with buttholes for suction cups. God, we're so repressed in this country. Jeff, buddy, I hope you find what you're looking for out there, and don't forget to bring back that thing we talked about from the vending machines there. Since Cowboy Bebop has a fair amount of property behind it, what with the original anime, subsequent manga, video games, and movie, not to mention the recent live-action reimagining, you might want to heed this solar system-wide spoiler alert, spoiler alert, because Jeff and I get into... things. Speaking of getting into things, let's dive right on into the interview with Jeff, since we do a series synopsis and talk about some key episodes. I'll lay out the facts about the anime and live-action series after that segment, but before a hilarious set from Jeff, so make sure to stick around for that. Hello, Reese. Hi, uh, Faye, is it? Yeah. You know, I, I got to be honest, you look nothing like Faye, though. Oh, I had an ass for that cash app. Sorry. What was, that, what was that hashtag again? Cowboy Bebopping? <laughs> do we be bopping this? Oops. What's up? Bopping? Dude, my bus do be bopping. It's just true. I got that handled in the bathroom before the interview. I did have to pee. That's good. Yeah. I was, like, waiting, and I was listening to this it felt like a first date, right? Because like, like late into a first date because they were like deep into it. They were like comfortable talking to each other. But this guy was so insufferably pretentious. Oh no. Yeah. Was I on a first date just now and then? <laughs> no, he was, he was like talking about how he lived in Germany and like how good his German was. And like, she was so into it. Oh, bummer. And it's like, you would not be sexually attractive in any other situation than what you are right now. 
Mm. But it's so insufferable to listen to. <laughs> Isn't it great, though, like to eavesdrop on those conversations, right? You're just, I feel a little bit like David Attenborough, like, yeah. <laughs> seeing the douchebag in the wild, <laughs> his natural element, but the fuck trying to score, the fuck boy, yeah. willing to lie about anything. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Dude, the things that I've heard come out of fuck boys and my own mouth alike. <laughs> Me too, man. <laughs> well, folks, the voice you hear other than my own, this is Jeff Morris. Hi, Jeff. Hi. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Reese. Yeah, dude. Thanks for fucking joining me. Of course. I'm stoked to talk about Cowboy Bebop, but before we get too far into things, what's your Instagram handles? Uh, my Instagram is jmorris6117. Okay. Yeah, I'll make a website. Is that like your activation code? Is it yeah. waiting for somebody to, or is that like your pin and you're just like flexing? Like, <laughs> dare somebody to do <laughs> just get debit card. 6117, just try it. Yeah. You know, let's see where it goes. You know, I still call Mike Jones's number from once in a while. You know, really. Of course. Two, eight, one, three, three, oh, eight, zero, zero, I want to. I want to know what he's up to. I want to know that he's okay. <laughs> is he still balling? Is he working? I gotta know. The answer: Yes. 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 Worth it. It's my job. It's gone. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, how'd you get started in stand-up comedy, Joe? Oh man, I would say like in 2017, I tried it very sporadically. Mm. Went to the Kelly's Olympian Sunday mic. Yeah. At 3 p.m. Classic. Ate dog shit. Terrified of it afterwards. Took me about a year and a half later. Went to Midnight Mike and then had Noah Watson come up to me. Like I was going semi-regularly and Noah Watson come, comes up inside shop here. Uh, Noah Watson comes up to me. He's like, hey, man, you should keep going. <laughs> go to more mics. I'm like. That's actually pretty good. That's <laughs> <laughs> pretty good. No, it's like super nice guy. And oh, yeah. Noah's then I yeah. just got very scared of it again. And then, Speaking of inside shop, Noah Watson just handed the torch over to Matt Franco, who's going to be running the midnight mic starting tonight. Yes. And I think that both of them, Noah did a great job. And I think yeah. Matt's going to do a fantastic and stellar job going forward. I agree. Him and I have talked about it at length about like how important that mic is to mm -hmm. a lot of people. It is. Yeah, it's a staple for yeah. sure. Yeah. It's a great way to do well at two other mics or a mic in a show and then just come and ruin your street. It's just ruin the entire night. Yeah. And it's necessary. You need it. But it's also like where all of your buddies come to hang out. Yeah, that's a week. You know? That's true, so too. You kinda, like, you get to have that, like, space to see everybody that you might have not seen because they're doing different stuff. Or whatever, oh, yeah. You know? Well, Funhouse is great for that because they have a variety of shows, whether it be stand-up or improv or parody musicals. Yeah, definitely go for Domprov as well. That's yeah. a fucking great show. Mm -hmm. But just Funhouse is great for the Portland comedy community in general. Absolutely. It brings people together. For sure. Mm -hmm. Especially the clown room orgies. Love those. They're terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> just, have you ever come while like super scared? It's like a, it's a, it's a <laughs> rush. I, like the hairs on your back kind of yeah. stand up and you're like, I didn't know I could feel this way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it feels so right. It does feel right, man. Uh, but to cap that off, yeah. um, basically in the past like six months, I was just like, I want to get like more into this and put my nose to the grindstone. Well, I'm glad you do because yeah. you're very funny. And Thank I'm you. stoked to have you on. Yeah. Thank you. You're all over the place. Mostly I see you down by the docks and on the police radar. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I am. And you know they're after you. I right? am a local prostitute in Portland. <laughs> um, you can see me based on my bleached hair. That's true. Stand out. Very distinct. 6'2". Mm-hmm. 220, bleached hair, easy profile. 
Jake Paul wishes he looked as good as John. <laughs> I look like if Jake Paul sold acid, man. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's like, hey, do you need some Sid, bro? I got you. <laughs> like if Jake Paul was in that scene from SLC Punks. Yeah. Right at the end of the screen, that, but she, the acid dissolves into him, and then he yeah. has, like, a useless... I look like the guy that has like acid on his hand at festivals and just starts (laughs) high-fiving people. (laughs) Yeah, dude. And it's just like, you're going to ruin everybody. (laughs) But then somehow it all comes together and works for like a half second. Yeah. It's like unity among man. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, actually, this is a life train, life changing experience, and I really needed it. <laughs> that's usually the case. Yeah, that's actually how. Yeah, how that's, that's usually how hallucinogens work. Yeah, you're like, actually, I am a new man or woman or yeah. anything in between. Person. Yeah, person. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, what was your first exposure to science fiction? I would say, like, there's obviously the classic of Star Wars. Mm. Futurama was huge. Yes. Uh, Very nice. Man, I watched so much anime. Like, an insane yeah, amount. Of I mean, you chose one. Yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah I, like, and your, your show had a Gundam Zero? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Sick. Yeah, I loved Gundam growing up. Definitely was an anime head because, like, I... All right, so I graduated middle school mm. in 2003. Okay. So I was right in the pocket for a lot of really great anime that was coming out of the turn of the this century. Guy, hold on. Can we take a moment and yeah. recognize that this guy was trying to catch a pigeon? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, good for him. Yeah, people are hungry out here. <laughs> yeah, this guy looks late. <laughs> cool, man. Oh, no. No, I'm I'm staying here. Yeah. Thank you much. Yeah. I'm not giving any indication. Oh, you know, I should t- I should turn my lights off. That actually. might help, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I, I ended up, I don't know what like caused it but what do, you, it was, what do you think would have happened if that guy would have caught the <laughs> i would expect nothing less than if he just ozzy osborne just fucking <laughs> he's full-on wings extended and off in one yeah, dude. oh i'd be so fucking metal and then if you think bad log here in a plaid shirt basically if i wouldn't <laughs> <laughs> not doing well. Yeah, he just looks at us in the fucking car and he's like, yeah. Spits the head out of us. Like shower. He goes, doesn't it, boy? My God, dude. Man, now I kind of wish he did catch it. I'm going to do it too, man. That was sick. What if he would have gone the other way with it and just like, like, I have a friend and this is my baby. It becomes like the new, like, uh, what's his name? Stroud from uh, the Birdman of Alcatraz. Oh, yeah. He's, uh, there was the, the Birdman of Alcatraz. Oh, wow. I do know what yeah. you're talking about where he just like had birds. Yeah. Yeah. They just lived with him. Yeah. He's a, he's that guy. Here he is. Oh, and he's like, he's on the prowl. Holy oh, shit, yeah, man. Uh, you know what? I wish you all the success in the world, my guy. <laughs> plaid. There are Buffalo plenty. plaid, long hair guy. Yeah, there were tons of fucking pigeons. Uh, so, you know, no love lost there, I suppose. But I think um, to circle back. Oh, yeah. To cir- <laughs> we're coming back on track. Yeah. I like it. Uh, Toonami was like, hell yes, on the spot. Yes, I was probably like my older brother, a little bit older than me, and so he kind of. How old are you? I'm 26. Okay, yeah, and so he's four years older. He kind of like yeah. got me on that. Yeah, and so like, okay, so watching, he's more in my wheelhouse. He's kind of yeah. between us. Yeah. yeah, and so like watching like Cowboy Bebop or Big O. Gundam, Trigun, Trigun, uh, Dragon Ball Z, Samurai yeah, Samurai Champloo, Ghost uh, in the Shell. Although that was like, I, I mean, really, that's a little bit earlier, but there were reruns of it, and I never you know, have seen Gits, Ghost in the Shell. Yeah, it's one that's like on my list, and I can just never find a way to 
watch. Yeah, it is. Pre- it's a closely held. Like I don't think there is a streaming service that provides it that I'm aware of. I well, actually, no. I feel like it, maybe it was the uh, what should we call it? The whitewash with fucking oh Scarlett Johansson. Scar Joe. Yeah, and I'm sure she did a great job, but I have not heard good things about it. Well, so I think that Charlize Theron did a better job in Aeon Flux. Mm-hmm. With you know what I mean, like it didn't feel as if it was live off. action. I have not watched it. Okay, yeah. Did you watch Eon Flux? No. Okay, highly recommend. Okay, okay. High recommend for Eon Flux, and then watch the movie because similar to this, we've watched the live action of Cowboy Bebop. Yes. Oh yeah, I have opinions. Yeah, <laughs> we're we're gonna get to it. <laughs> so your first exposure then to Cowboy Bebop was through your older brother. Yeah, and like watching it on Toonami. Yeah, and like I don't know about. You, but Tom's voice is a very sultry voice. Oh, yeah. yeah we'll draw, like, Ooh. if you weren't into watching anime yeah. at the time and you put that on, you're like, I could get into this. Yeah. Like, if you were only into jerking off to deep Aratown sultry <laughs> voices, like, I mean, <laughs> I, if only I would have been older. <laughs> in, like, if only you knew. Late 90s. If I was, like, 10 years older, I would have right. given Tom a run for his money. <laughs> it's going to be close. But yeah, dude, Toonami, all this shit's coming back now. Like, Reboot? Remember Reboot? No, I don't. It's like inside of a computer. Okay. Very turn-of-the-century idea. Mm. Much like Y2K. Yeah. So, we've seen the live-action and anime. There's also a three-volume manga. I cannot find it. I To read online. Good luck. Yeah. Help on that one. Yeah. And send you an actual pod. You had mentioned it previously, and I, like, looked into it. I think what happened... Oh, we got a burp. We're good. Um, I think what happened is that, like, Cowboy Bebop was in production. Right. And, like, they were making it. And then, like, somewhere along that production line, they were like, we should just make a MAGA of this, too. Yeah. And so they put that out. That hides a lot, actually. They put that out right before the show aired. Yeah. Like, the show is technically the original property, which is such a weird concept to think about. It's like... Because most anime stems from, like, an established manga out of Shonen Jump or some other comic. And for it to kind of be, like, backwards like that is so, like, it's kind of world-bending to me. I was like, is everything that I've said known up to this point a lie? Or, like, the (laughs) novelization of a movie. Yes. Yeah, like, that's that's always been very strange to me. Right. Uh, Birdman is back. Birdman's back. He's dude. He is hovering. I, you know, I'd hope the best for him. I, I do too. Oh. I just hope that it doesn't involve us. I, <laughs> I also hope that. So I love space stuff. Yeah, I love westerns. Yes, but a space western was so unique to me at the time because, like, I saw Cowboy Bebop before I knew about Firefly. Right, another great series. Yeah, uh, which I wish would get a reboot reboot and or anime and or manga and or anything other than the serenity movie follow-up yeah but i mean i love firefly shout out leroy furwood we covered that in an episode to my knowledge wasn't uh firefly like inspired by cowboy bebop originally i can see that yeah yeah like, i think i mean i'd have to look back through my notes because you know oftentimes like i'll fact load mm-hmm. much like a test and i'll be like I know this information for 48 hours. Yeah. It's like, I'll listen back to some episodes. You're just like cramming like, for a test and yeah. then it's just like, throw it out the fucking window. Who needs that shit anymore? Yeah, exactly. I got my like, plus. That's all I fucking care about. I'm just like railed Adderall coming yeah. in this. And you're like, I got this, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. Man. 
be careful out there, kids, railing stuff. Don't you know, rail things. Bring fence strips for everything. Like, yeah. It's already broken down and powdered up. Bring a fence strip, my guys. As someone that formerly maybe on potentially sold drugs, we don't know. Yeah. With nothing for certain, everybody. I've legally sold drugs in three different scenarios. Okay. Yes, go ahead. Um, Know what you're getting. Yeah. Like, it does not Always. hurt to, like, test it. And say, maybe not worth taking right now, even if you can't do that. Yeah, make smart decisions out there, kiddos. But back to what we were talking, this is going to be like ADHD, the episode. Yeah, no, that's fine. I, I'm good with the clipping and stuff. Uh-huh. So the show creator, Watsonabe created a special tagline for the series to promote it during its original presentation, calling it, quote, a new genre unto itself. Yes. Now, the line was inserted before and after commercial breaks during its Japanese and U.S. broadcasts. Mm-hmm. Later, Watanabe called the phrase an exaggeration because uh, the show is a hybrid of multiple genres, right. including westerns and pulp fiction. Uh, noir. And noir, yep. Yeah. Uh, one reviewer described it as a space opera meeting noir, meeting mm-hmm. comedy, mm-hmm. meeting cyberpunk. Yeah. Because I think that it's it, one of its major influences was actually William Gibson's works, mm-hmm. particularly Neuromancer. Yeah. Okay. Uh, insofar as like the general setting, because mm-hmm. a lot of the fan art is similar. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it has been referred to as a genre busting space western because it is that. Is it like, and I was writing about it last night. I was like watching a couple episodes just mm-hmm. to be like, keep it fresh. I keep it fresh and coming into this. And I yeah. love that you're all fresh. Thank you. You feel fresh. I, <laughs> Subway. <laughs> okay, well, you know, I hope that Jared Fogel's getting a fresh ass kicking in jail on the daily. Or yeah. more. Or more. Oh. Yeah. Well. But, no, I, I love this show so much. Like, I think once a year I revisit it just to be like, oh, God, get that fix. I think the draw and the thing that, like, keeps me, me at least coming back is that, like, it satisfies so many different genres. It's not just science fiction. It's not just, like, a Western or a mob or a noir film. It's, like, so many different things that, like, you're going to get so many aspects and, like, different approaches. And Watanabe just, like, made such a masterpiece of, like, content and something to watch and experience you know i mean that's a valid point you know it is a very satisfying show on the whole Mm -hmm. like i think the thing that like really works for me and the thing that like i love about it is that there's no like definitive through line with the exception of like four or five out of 26 episodes there's no like overarching story everything's so isolated and yeah but you get to know these characters in a way that you're like they're like real fucking people you start to learn about the trends of how they act and how they would react Mm -hmm. and then when they act against those expectations it makes for even better content absolutely so the writing is excellent in that effect because it leaves you guessing You never know, really. I mean, like, you know that there's a general driving force and people's Mm -hmm. motivations and backgrounds Mm -hmm. are are get revealed. But it's through a series of seemingly non-connected events. Exactly. They're just, like, failing forward. Yeah, you know, exactly. Throughout life, like, it's, it's, I can, that resonates with me a lot because I yeah. am constantly failing forward. Exactly. Yeah. And, like, the three main characters, I guess four, if you count Ed. Um, I Always. Always, I don't. Okay. It's just because, like, Ed comes not always present. She comes in so late into the show. But, like, the three, like, primary protagonists, Faye, Spike, and Jet, are constantly failing. And I'm 
And Ayn, yes, Ayn. Let's, let's Ayn's forget. perfect. Yeah, Ayn is absolute perfection. Yeah, that is a corgi so, embodying perfection. My wife and I are fostering a corgi terrier mix named Billy. Shout out Billy Chambers. Oh, Billy. Yeah, uh, it's just the name he came with. Oh. Um, also gay. Because <laughs> uh, he's constantly trying to hump our other boy, Levi. That's funny. Uh, just like our Billy Chambers. Yeah. <laughs> um, not that he's trying to hump my dog. Just other boys named Levi, probably. Uh, did you want to get into something else? Because I have the overview of the series synopsis right here. Oh, I I just wanted to, like, slightly tap on, like... Um, <laughs> yeah, dude, tap that. Tap that shit. The entirety of the cast of the show, and, like, this is the thing that, like, I... Are we talking about the live action now? No. Okay. No. Um, and, our, like, never live action. No. <laughs> Um, the original show, the yeah. cat, the, like the entire cast. And so like, obviously your protagonist, but even like the smaller characters and the background characters, or like maybe a villain or something like everything about that feels so real and lived in. And like part of that goes to the artwork that is done and like how well it's done. Oh yeah. Um, it, it feels cinematic, but on it's top delivery and yes, acting. absolutely. Yeah. And, but on top of that, like, there's no character where I'm like, this is a cartoon. Yeah, mm, no, never. No, I, 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 I feel like it's a moving graphic novel. Exactly. And there's no part where I'm like, this. It it feels larger than life. And I think if you're writing good sci-fi mm. or any kind of like fiction, the more you can ground the consumer, the reader, the watcher in your reality like that the more successful and like powerful your message is going to be well and both spike and jet are super relatable yes. because we're all running from something and we're all trying to go toward something you yes. know what i mean like absolutely you know and Faye is like chaotic neutral right most i mean like it, the selfishness of an individual is yeah. i feel like what she represents yeah and like I, I wrote it down as like they're they're definitely archetypes, but they're yeah. like perfectly written archetypes in my mind. I agree. Yeah, you know, it like Spike is like your classic cowboy. He, he puts like your John Wayne's and stuff to shame just because he's like the epitome of like a cowboy. He's cool, calm, and collected, but he's also like a goof and like relatable. And you're like, oh my gosh, this is like I want to be that guy. Yeah. Jet's the the police officer that's been like, I'm too old for this shit. Yeah, he's not as much Murtaugh as that. I think it's more like former disgraced. I mean, I mean this is his character, former disgraced cop. Like, yeah. He didn't necessarily do anything wrong. Exactly. He's like a better Christopher Dorner. Yeah. <laughs> and much like Jet, you never corner the Dorner. Yeah. Because that's like that. Yeah, you get fucked up. Yeah. yeah. That's fucking Black Dog's hair name. Or you just my favorite episode. Is that right? Oh, yeah, man. It is just so well done. Mm. Uh, like that. I have to go back and rewatch the animated series because it's been a couple of years. I did see clips on the YouTubes. On the YouTubes? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, like, lastly, Faye is, mm -hmm. uh, she's she's two. She's two, like, archetypes. She's the femme fatale from noir. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's a, it's a dying archetype because it's a sexualized archetype. True that. But I think that, like, it's done in a very tasteful way, you know? Okay. And this kind of ties into her other archetype is that she is the cliche amnesia. And so she doesn't remember her backstory outside of, like, what we experience watching the show. Right. And so it, like, comes about that, like, her character was slighted, right? And so instead of 
taking shit from anybody. She leans into that femme fatale character and archetype because she knows that like that is how she's going to get through this failing upward lifestyle. Yeah, it's a coping mechanism. Like it, it, it's a stance of being able to deal with it because she's seen success through it. Exactly. It, it is an innate like reflex. Right. It doesn't. Because it, it comes through the amnesia. It's mm-hmm. like, this is how I'm going to survive. Like mm-hmm. it's a straight up survival mechanism. Yeah. I will say though, Daniela Pineda, who plays the live action version mm-hmm. of Faye Valentine. Mm-hmm. And nice. And nice. Yeah. <laughs> and nice. Yeah. yeah. I would agree. Yeah, I'd agree. I, I mean, if we want to dive into the live action stuff, we can get there, man. Do you, you want to just get it out of the way before we do the synopsis? No, let's do the synopsis. Okay. Well, we'll finish on that because I got some big opinions. <laughs> You're just going to get me yelling in your car. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've already, we're going to have Pigeon Man back in. It's going to be great. <laughs> Should we just invite him in? Yeah, let's invite him in. And... And a pigeon. I think I want to see where it goes. I, I do too. And <laughs> I mean, let's just be honest, because that's the content that the people are really here for. <laughs> I was like, holy fucking dude. Yeah, dude. And I, I want him. Did to you just... see him bite that fucking thing in hell off? Right? Oh my God. <laughs> a lot of protein. <laughs> a lot of protein and a pigeon. Well, uh, all right. A small chicken. Yeah. You know, I bet that he has a small fire ready to go. <laughs> we all over at Tintori. Yeah, he's got yeah. it on the fucking where yeah. Where it's uh, it's I'm sure that they put kebabs on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just constantly just roast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. He's got like a it's, it's an electric harbor, but it's not plugged in. Any. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, yeah. It turns, I mean, there's tons of local gardens. He's probably got herbs to yeah. spice it with. Yeah. Crushing it. This guy's crushing it. Yeah. That's literally sourcing farm to, to like <laughs> local source to tape. He's honestly doing, he does, he's he's on, he's he's doing, doing better than the rest of us. There ain't on table. And they don't even get Michelin ratings. <laughs> oh, no. There's literally not even a place that Lord Ramsey can go to assess this incredibly fresh Portland. <laughs> Street sourced food. I mean, <laughs> what better quality could you get? <laughs> and talk about a pop up. Yeah, right. I mean, like, dude, like, did you get an email about this? Like, no, well. it's like literally a flash mob, <laughs> fresh, fresh pigeon, mash pigeon meal. I mean, like, that's what Portland's all about, man. Yeah, exactly. If only they could make it vegan. Uh, well, I'm sure somebody will. Yeah, yeah, I'll find a way. Yeah, <laughs> have you ever had veggie grill? I haven't. No, man. Shout out Veggie Grill. They're in no way paying me for this, but the Veggie Grill Santa Fe chicken sandwich, if it still exists, is fucking flame sauce. It's big. That's gas. It, it, it is straight. It will give you gas, but it's good gas because you're like, yeah, soy protein. Yeah. My my roommates and I have been just like, we'll find a specific phrase. Mm-hmm. This has nothing to do with anything. Um, we'll find a specific phrase. We'll make it sound like the most degenerate you could and just like beat that horse until it's dead. Yeah, it's how we do that's what I did in middle school. We'd yeah. say like emergency exit only and then we'd be like <laughs> we're talking about poops. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so recently it's been that's gas. And so like you'll eat like something, like you'll just eat McDonald's and you're like, bro, that's fucking gas. <laughs> that's Gas, dude. Hell yeah. When did you do it? <laughs> I might bring back that's hot, Paris Halton. You just, should. I should. That's hot. I should. That's hot. Yeah. yeah. No, but like how she says it, though. Oh, okay. But I, I don't want to get sued because wasn't that a thing? Didn't she like TM that? 
I think I'm gonna have to look. No. I'm gonna have my IP guys look into that. I watch anime. Most people have IT guys. I'm Jewish. I have IP guys. Just <laughs> a property guy. Yeah, I met a guy. Uh, I need to know. Uh, am I gonna get in trouble? For yes, this? <laughs> it's me. I'm the guy. Yeah, you're the guy. So the guy. <laughs> yeah. In 2071, roughly 50 years after an accident with a hyperspace gateway, which made Earth almost uninhabitable, humanity has colonized most of the rocky planets and moons of the solar system. Now, we're not there yet, so if this happened now, we would be fucked. So okay. if this whole Cowboy Bebop thing... Yeah. Also, this is, granted, this is roughly 50 years from now. Right, we don't know what Elon Musk is going to run. No, but you think we're going to make it past November? My guy, I've been seeing a lot of uh, synchronicities, like 1125. I've fucking... Three oh, times over the last few days. <laughs> Get us out of our misery. Yeah, dude, I'm, I'm kind of feeling that at this point. Like, mutually assured destruction doesn't have, like, the dissuasion effect that it used to it really doesn't yeah. like now i'm just like yeah all right i love living life and i like yeah. i hope that i get to keep doing it sure but if it all ends tomorrow i'll die a happy man oh that's nice yeah okay so, i know that i'd be happy i would i would just you know i'd be content okay you know i'd be like i'm not like i'm not going for it if i'm gonna be perfectly honest i'd be really like sad and scared uh, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If it was like, I would hope that I was with somebody that I knew or loved. No, absolutely. Yes, yeah. I'm, I'm not saying like it's gonna be I alone. That's I don't think to me, Jeff. I agree. Okay, I'm not gonna say that it's like hold me. It, yeah, absolutely. I would love to hold you. Oh, that's good. How I did it. We held each other in the Subaru. Let's <laughs> go, oh, Subaru. Yeah. Poor man's Porsche, baby. Hell yeah, dude. Fucking mobile studio. Hell yeah. All right. Amid a rising crime rate, the Intersolar System Police, the ISSP, because of course there's fucking pigs in space. Pigs in space! <laughs> Set up a legalized contract system in which registered bounty hunters, aka them cowboys, chase criminals and bring them in alive in return for a reward. The series protagonists are bounty hunters working from the spaceship, the Bebop. The original crew are Spike Spiegel, an exiled former hitman of the criminal Red Dragon Syndicate, and Jet Black, a former ISSP officer. They are later joined by Faye Valentine, an amnesiac con artist, Edward, and or Ed, an eccentric child skilled in hacking, and Ein, a genetically engineered Pembroke Welsh Corgi with human-like intelligence. Over the course of the series, the team gets involved in disastrous mishaps, leaving them without money while often confronting faces and events from their past. These include Jet's reasons for leaving the ISSP, and Faye's past as a young woman from Earth injured in an accident and cryogenically frozen to save her life. Let's get into that a little bit, because Faye's backstory is one of those oh, she's recurring the... things that pop up, and I would yeah. almost call her the protagonist oh, yeah. for that reason. It yeah. wasn't for it being framed initially by Spike's story. For perspective. Yeah, yeah perspective. Think, yeah. I think hands down she's the best written character in that whole show. Word. So, so the live action version did just reduce her to snarkiness for the sake of sound bites. And that's why I hate the sound, the live action. Yeah. 
I think that she is a stronger female character than most female characters written today. Yes. And like, say what you will about her being a sexualized character. Like, that does not take away from the fact that the story from top to bottom, from when you meet her to her like character arc completing, is so strongly written and so relatable on a human level that it, it truly is peak fiction. Did you get into serial experiments, Lane? No. Shout out Thomas Lundy for that episode. It's another series that is from a, a young girl's perspective. Mm-hmm. And just the complexity of that character, because I feel like oftentimes, like, let's take Akira, for example. Right. It's boys being boys, destroying a city, yes. and, like, mm-hmm. disregard females, acquire currency kind of mm-hmm. mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I do definitely love a more engaged character. And right. I think that her development is wonderfully written. Well, she just goes from like a really cold hearted, like someone that you would meet on the street where they're just like something happened to you and you were not the same afterwards to like after experiencing her from top to bottom, like you start to see that like past life even before the amnesia like start to peek through and she like has a softer side yeah and like it truly speaks to like what humanity is is like we're so closed off and we're so withdrawn because for hurt we're like we have experienced pain we don't want to feel it again well life is pain so less amount like i feel like that's where like agoraphobia comes in so it's like i was afraid to leave their house like i kind of get that to be frank yeah sometimes i think about you know like i was in the subway in new york Mm-hmm. I was with Kyle Adams. We went last year. He's such a funny. He is fucking hilarious. Check out his merch. Fuck Kyle. <laughs> um, yeah. So we were just sitting in the subway and I was like, wow, mm-hmm. all of this shit is working together. That's yeah. fucking crazy. Yeah. All of this shit. Must like everything just works. Yeah. So I, I get like I get the anxiety thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's stuff happening around the world that I have no in like I can't possibly influence on a global scale, just an individual scale. And then like what is that worth versus even my locale you know right. like not everybody's gonna be on the same page it's impossible yeah yeah so anyway i get it yeah um, and like it, it just like it, it shows what it means to be human because for how reserved we are we are also social beings and like her story of just being reserved and not trusting people to like slowly but surely letting people into her life, the crew of the bebop. Yeah, it's just like the mind or emotional intelligence to do that, you know, is, yeah. is rare. Yeah, and it just speaks to like what it means to be a human where it's like we're constantly experiencing either some sort of pain or some sort of keeping ourselves away from pain and to like allow people into our lives is something that like constantly is happening on a day-to-day basis. For me, it just, like, it rings home, you know? How do you think you do in amnesia? Because I feel like I'd, I'd end up in some sort of memento-type situation. You know, like, tattoos of reminders all over my body. Yeah. I would probably be in a Faye Valentine situation where you're just, I have no idea what's happening. Yeah, but somehow on a vengeance. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> trying to fuck some shit up. Yeah, totes. All right, I'm into it. <laughs> well, speaking of fucking shit up, let's get back to the synopsis. Okay, let's do it. While much of the show is episodic in nature, the main story arc focuses on Spike and his deadly rivalry with Vicious, an ambitious criminal affiliated with the Red Dragon Syndicate, which, to be honest, is one of the cooler-sounding syndicate names, like criminal organization names in anime. Yeah. Pretty rad. Oh, yeah. Spike and Vicious were once partners and friends, but when Spike began an affair with Vicious's girlfriend, Julia, and resolved to leave the syndicate with her, Vicious sought to eliminate Spike by blackmailing Julia into killing him. 
Julia goes into hiding to protect herself and Spike while Spike fakes his death to escape the syndicate. In the present, Julia comes out of hiding and reunites with Spike, intending to complete their plan. Vicious, having staged a coup d'etat and taken over the syndicate, sends Hitman after the pair, which, I mean, you know, for how stupid Vicious is... As a character. As a character. Yeah. That was pretty slick. Oh, yeah. The the whole, like, coup d'etat and everything that he does to get to that. The old Kansas City shuffle that he rolls. Oh, yeah. It's good. It's pretty slick. It's pretty dope. (laughs) Yeah. And so is the floor with the syndicate leader's blood. Mm -hmm. And other entrails. Julia is killed, leaving Spike alone. Spike leaves the Bebop after saying a final goodbye to Faye and Jet. Upon infiltrating the syndicate, he finds Vicious on the top floor of the building and confronts him after dispatching the remaining Red Dragon members. The final battle ends with Spike killing Vicious, only to be seriously wounded himself in the ensuing confrontation. Looking up to the sky, Spike sees Julia. The series concludes as Spike descends the main staircase of the building into the rising sun before eventually falling to the ground. But I feel like it's kind of one of those the end of Inception style. Yeah, where it's like, do you... It is, if he were to come under someone's care, would he survive? I like do, to think that he dies. I like, okay. Yeah, and, his story is complete. Yeah. It's a good cowboy story that way. Well, it's it's a good cowboy story in that way. It also speaks to what his character is, right? Is yeah. that like, yeah. Spike is this character that is like struggling with letting go of the past while also trying to pursue a future. But whenever his past comes up, he has no other option than to regress back to what he was. So for someone that constantly is like, I'm trying to become more than what I am. And his whole story is like to fall back to where he comes from. And I think that at every corner, he has the option to make the quote unquote right decision to be like, no, leave this behind me and remove himself from it. And yet he continues to go back. And I think that it shows the repercussion of what his decisions make and how we as people have like, you're allowed to make whatever decision you want. Just know that there are consequences. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, even Bill Clinton was talking about how he forced Ukraine to give up their nuclear weapons in 1994. Right. And now he's like, Oopsies. Oopsie doosles. Yeah. Well, not to mention the whole stain on the dress, but that's another... Whatever. That's a whole another three-part episode. Yeah. <laughs> Old you know, man, fuck it. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> I don't know why I brought Bill Clinton into it. Yeah, he's all right. He was, yeah, he was in the news. Yeah, he was at one point important. He's still coming dust. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Same here, man. Yeah, you got a vasectomy? I wish. Uh, <laughs> me too. Yeah. <laughs> I wish you got one. I don't be. I don't be for myself. I mean, I, you should not procreate. Uh, I agree. Yeah, no one should. Actually. I, we should I, just pull a children and men and just like somehow fucking agree. So just for, just for like a week. Yeah, just for a week. Yeah, Let's see what happens. Stopped fucking for a week. Let's see what happens when there's no babies for one year. Also, if the whole world stopped fucking for three weeks. Mm-hmm. We would get rid of a lot of STDs. I, that's actually very true. Yeah. And scary to think about that, like, if everybody was just like, hey, I'm going to do celibacy for a month. Yeah. Right. 
Well, does that include no no touchy touches? Yeah, like J and the D and stuff. Yes, I mean, I'm glad you said J and the D because yeah. this is an audio format and people can't see like the the air jacking. <laughs> yeah. yeah, although I do like that you're doing it over my crotch, so that is fun for me. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you could get away with some JD and yeah, yeah. Uh, sure, why not? Jacking that dick. Yeah, um, let me just text my wife real quick. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> babe, is this okay? He's got soft, supple hands. Yes. <laughs> He's going to use the work. Yet also coarse because he works out. This is weird. <laughs> He's making a lot of eye contact, so it's just like at home. It's very weird. <laughs> oh, lovely. Okay, do we want to talk about the live action? Is there more synopsis? No, that's it. Okay. Uh, yes, I do want to talk about this. Because it's more than just this show that I have this opinion. Yes. So I'll let you kick this off, but just know I got it. Okay. Erection. Before you do, do you have your seatbelt on right now? It's on right okay. now. Okay. We, we've not gone anywhere this whole time. <laughs> We're going on a fucking You'll rip right now. pop that off by you. Okay. I don't know why I did now, that. Now I'll take you seriously. <laughs> it's okay. Everybody does it. Jono did it. Tyus did it. I feel like that's just like your natural inclination when you first get into a car. Yeah, mayhaps. Yeah. Put the seatbelt on. And Although you when, you're, when you're working, you know. Smoke cigarettes with the windows up. Oof. Yeah. Bummer. <laughs> my friend's parents did that yeah um, they probably didn't wear their seatbelt no they didn't <laughs> and they smoked in the house so whenever i'd come home my mom would make me change into new clothes at the front door yeah your mom's a smart lady <laughs> <laughs> she's all right jeff tell me your opinion about live action versus the original animated version it fucking blows cocks yeah it sucks so much okay it is hands down some of the worst bullshit that I've ever watched. Mm. And I, this is coming from a guy that actively searches for movies that are bad simply to just be like, this is fun, you know? Yeah. Like, hey, there's something to be said for B movies. Yeah. yeah. Like they're fun in their own right. Exactly. This yeah. was hands down insufferable. Yeah. So I, it's, it, it sucks because I love John Cho. Agreed. I think he did spike some justice. Abs- I would agree. In the comedy angle. Yeah. And the wardrobe was on P. Oh, yeah. And the setting, like the scene Uh was on P. Yeah. It just was like a C plus, and that's not good enough. No. Here's what I was going to like, because I've been thinking about this for a month. Yeah, I want to hear about it. John Cho, Mustafa Shakir, and Daniela Pineda did a fantastic job for what they were given. Agreed. I think that they were the saving grace to this horse shit fucking disaster the writing is so goddamn campy and corny that you can't sit through it without just being like this is bad this is just bad it's it felt watered down yeah and then the first episode they fuck up playing tank the theme song because they're playing the opening fucking rhythm and then as soon as it's supposed to hit the like the sax line they cut back to the fucking opening rhythm to play the fucking full credits. And it's just like, how do you fuck this up? Yeah, you can't loop on a loop, man. You can't. So I love that song. I do too, dude. I was hoping that we were going to like end this by like trying to sing it ourselves. Oh, I don't know if I could do it any better. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I love it. You know, it's funny. I, I would love to be good at singing. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm okay at singing in the shower, but then yeah. when I get, when I hear it later, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, that 
really sounds stop. awful. Yeah, it sounds as if it was the live action Cowboy Bebop. Yes. In my head, I sound like you. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> on on yes. P. On P. Yes. That's gas. That is gassed up. That's from gas. The ass up. Yeah. yeah they, gas up from the ass up all day. Yeah. Uh-huh. And this is just something that, like, I've just been noticing. Uh-huh. Like, I'm, I'm coming back to it. Yeah. Give me other examples. The Ghost in the Shell, I've heard really bad things about. Okay. Not to hate on any of the actors. I have not watched it. I think you're correct in that assessment. Well, I mean, I, I hesitate to call it an assessment. Mm-hmm. I think you should definitely watch the live action. Mm-hmm. Watch it. Also, Aeon Flux, you have to watch the watch the anime first and mm-hmm. then watch. Because the, the yeah. anime is unique. It's beautifully dar- okay. drawn. Very nice. Okay. Essentially, what I'm getting at is that, like, this movement, this idea, this concept of we need to make live action versions of things. Sure. And, like, a, a great example is the Last of Us show that just came out. Mm. I loved that show. It was great. I very much enjoyed it. Unnecessary. Okay. Play the game. Yeah. I will say, hands down, the game is better. Yeah. Not for any reason other than you embody the characters and the situations that they're in so much more by experiencing it through the original medium than watching the show. And that's a that's kind of a rare example because mm-hmm. it, you don't have a lot of video game to show crossover examples. Like yeah. you have like Mortal Kombat in the movie right. and stuff like that. And like I'm pretty sure there's a Street Fighter movie. Mm. Oh, oh like it, the Mario movies. Mario Mall. Well, actually, I I personally love them. <laughs> uh, they get shit on a lot, rightfully so. Right. But it is one of those movies that I love to like. <laughs> um, for sure, but. Yeah, no, I so I haven't watched the Last of Us series. I played the game, phenomenal storyline, mm-hmm. and just the gameplay is phenomenal. Right. So, and, and I think that you're right in that it is difficult to adapt a valid mm-hmm. live action version or even an, another animated version mm-hmm. of the video game because it's lacking that interactivity. Right. You're missing. I want to play it. Right. As someone that's like watched anime his whole life and read manga is that like you even see it with this is like you read the manga and you're like this anime adaptation it's good but it doesn't like meet what those original panels or pages gave you sure and this entire concept of like we need to make these original properties like quote-unquote more adult by making it live action or making it some sort of like a more digestible version it's like fuck you cowboy bebop is my number one suggested anime to watch if you have not watched anime simply because it's it doesn't feel like anime it's so good I stand alone that like, why do I need to watch a different version? Well, it's it's hard sometimes. All right. I kind of put it this way. It's like, all right, love one direction. Mm -hmm. I stand one direction. Yeah. Right. All day. You know this about her. Like you've seen the interior of this car. It was all one direction, but like there's a little bit of just Harry Styles section. Like you see all these stickers here on the dashboard. Yeah. Yeah. So like it was hard for me to like Harry Styles Mm -hmm. at first. Because outside of One Direction, right. because it's like, you know, it's that like 1D, baby. Right. It's just, well, now it is just 1D. Now it's only 1D. Yeah. But it's a good one and it works. Oftentimes it doesn't work. Right. Like imagine if like Joey Fatone really tried to go for it after right. NSYNC, you know, oh, like yeah. there was only room for JT and that was truly from the start. Exactly. NSYNC was built around JT. Let's oh. get one thing perfect. I there. hands down agree. Yes. Oof. 
Oof. Yeah. Yes. Um, do you think Justin Timberlake's wife comes up to him after he makes like one of those like hot singles? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you get one of those songs where you're like, this baby making music. Like spring, like sexy back. Yeah. yeah. Do you think his wife comes up to him uh-huh. and she's like, so who's that one about? It's uh, you, babe. <laughs> really? Because you say the name fucking Nikki in it, and uh, that's not me. Talking about nicotine, you know these kids. Uh, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's like, what a slang. Yeah, whatever. Come on. Right. <laughs> you know, Jimmy Fallon's going up uh, later. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually doing one of the uh, Romy Island songs later. Yeah, so, yeah, Dick in a Box, remember that? that? You remember that? Yeah, paid for our book. So he's got to be so fed up with yeah. his bullshit. <laughs> well, it, it's Jessica Biel, right? I think so, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, God, good for him. Good for her too. And both of them. That's both. some good-looking people. Some hot-ass sex if they still do it. <laughs> you know they do. Oh, I bet. Yeah, so some like sting-level tantric shit. Like, yeah, dude. Fuck yeah, that like weird Hollywood. We're like, sex which alt shit? Which one in the book are we doing tonight? Live, right? Yeah. <laughs> the upside-down happy dance. Let's go. They have like machinery that like fucks them. Yeah, one moves them for them, yeah. so they don't have to exert them. Yeah, exactly. They just like save all their energy for being rich. <laughs> so, Jeff, let me ask you this. What's coming up in your comedy schedule? Uh, for me, I'm doing a show tomorrow, but nice. I feel like this is going to come out after that. It is. Unfortunately. So what about after that? Uh, I'm actually taking two weeks off to go to Japan. Hell yeah. Yeah, man. Oh, I bring you back some uh, some mantis from a, a vending machine. I want gladly used male panties. <laughs> <That's what I'm laughs> okay. I could probably do that. Okay, nice. Yeah. I, but other than yours, not just like yours that you like brought up. I want no. them from a vending machine. Yeah, okay. Like sealed with like finished seal. You think I won't, but I will. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, absolutely. Very cool. Uh, and then. I desperately want to go to Japan. Dude, I am fucking floored. I'm bricked up. Isn't Tokyo the It's the biggest city in the world, right? right. I mean, it's if not one of them. Yeah. You know? Uh, and so I'm going to Japan for a little bit. So comedy's kind of being on hold for that. You're not going to sling any ha-has over there? I would love to if I could find it. Dude, I'm sure you could. I probably will. Just go to any karaoke bar and start up. Yeah, I'd be like, hey. They're like, these are right. I know you guys are trying to sing the opening to Neon Genesis Evangelion <laughs> right now, but I'm going to like, I'm going to hit you with some real thought-provoking jokes real quick. Do you like how I sound like every college dude right now? What's up, dude? That's how I'm going to do it. That's how you're going to do it. Yeah. Like, yeah, way to represent America. For us. <laughs> What's up, dude? You like jewels? Same, bro. Yeah, that I just be like crystalled up. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> half, <laughs> half of your suitcase is coming this. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Uh, like, but when I come back. new energy. Yeah. When I come back, though, uh, I'm trying to make a monthly show pretty regular at a local bar called the Sheku Bar. Hell yeah. If not, go there. They got good food. Um, yeah. And. Just doing mics and trying to find my way in this whole comedy thing, try to get better at it. Yeah, that makes two of us. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you can find Jeff and myself out and about at mics and shows, and you can find those shows at lapspdx.com. Reese runs it. I do. That's the guy. He's humble about it. I don't know if you've said that you run this yet. I mentioned Laughs PDX because it is a valuable resource. It is a valuable resource. Yeah. Also, Reese is the one that's basically like, holding this fort down no well thank you jeff i appreciate that it's about our community and we have a great one so it's easy to work with them and you know it's comedy every night of the week in portland yes multiple shows like yeah definitely go and check it out and support local comedy we love you portland you beautiful monster but yeah seriously 
I had a shout out Pigeon Man. I also shout out Pigeon Man. Also, I just want to cap off by saying Reese is such a delightful human being. He is a very swell person to talk to. He's very friendly and one of the more like, I I think everybody in the Portland comedy scene is like very welcoming and like easy to talk to. But I will say that Reese is one of the first few people that I just hit it off easy to talk to and get along with well. And uh, I appreciate the fuck out of you, man. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate the fuck out of you, man. And, and that endorsement. Thank you. I mean, my penis is already out, so you don't have to order. <laughs> I'm sitting on that bitch. What's up? I love it. And you. Well, thank you. What love you too, Dad. Bring it. Oh, another volume. Everyone go. Yeah. Oh, so, um, you know, definitely thank you for hanging out and talking Cowboy Bebop with me. Stoked on it. Um, yes. I will need to, if I find the manga, I will share it with you. Gladly we'll read it. Excellent. We'll talk about it. And yeah. Like, this probably pretty the best way to watch we'll read it right to left like hebrew know what i'm saying <laughs> no you're a gentile well you'll find out you already yeah, you already know all right enjoy japan i will enjoy portland i won't <laughs> <laughs> and that's how we end it except that's not the end because we kept the conversation going inside of my father's place Speaking of MFP, make sure to check out the weekly open mic at 8.30 on Fridays, as well as the Father's Favorite Showcase taking place every first Friday at 9.30 with the mic following at 10.30 on those nights. The amount of times that I was watching the live action and I was just like, man, fuck this show. (laughs) Tell us how you really feel. I I did not like it. I did not like it at all. (laughs) It was so bad. I mean, there's like there's so many good episodes. Black Dog Serenade and the Foot are two like peak action if you're trying to get into that. Because Black Dog Serenades, where it's like Jet going back to get the killer that got him out of ISSB, and then the Foot is the assassin that was like cybernetically enhanced to insanity, and then basically is just like on a hit list to kill anybody that sees him or did the operations. But if you really want the best episode, it's Mushroom Samba outfit. It's where everybody just takes mushrooms yeah. at a time. Yeah, <laughs> that is probably my favorite. Uh, shout out Mushroom. <laughs> shout out Shrooms. Yeah, shout out Shrooms. Dude, is that, that's Pigeon Guy at the bar. That is Pigeon Guy, he's a comic. Is he a comic? I, I don't have to, I'm gonna have to investigate this. Okay, <laughs> but. Uh, okay. Some quick after hours from the podcast. Did you guy in where we're at? He's in MFP right now. MFP, I don't see a pigeon, so I don't think he was successful. Unfortunate. Oh, man. Well, I'll, Sad. I'll investigate and I'll double back with you okay. when you get back from Japan. Okay, I soon. I want to know. Wow, what a journey. I was able to catch up with Jeff for an update on Pigeon Guy while he was still in Japan. You'll never believe what happened at the mic. Hello? Konnichiwa, Jeff. How's Japan? Oh, hi Oh, Are you taking Japan by storm? Uh, we actually just got here like two hours ago, and we're just chill us out, you know? I have enough beer, and it's been a long day of flying. Awesome. Well, I'm glad that we're able to connect because I need, I need to tell you about Pigeon Guy. We have a Pigeon Guy update. Oh, fuck yeah. The interview that never ends keeps going. And <laughs> yes. let's know more about the pigeon dude. Like, last we left off, he was at the open mic. No pigeon in hand, but it looked like he might be going up to do stand-up. 
Yeah, so he uh, he was hovering around my father's place, very curious-looking wow. dude. Basically, like, me, if I was shorter, had, like, chest-length hair, looking real weird, talking to pigeons, you know, Bye. perhaps creating some sort of allegiance with the pigeons. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, cut to, right, I'm, I'm hosting the MFP mic after Father's Favorites, and... Yeah. Dude, this kid comes up and signs up at the fucking mic. His name is Grant Levitt. Hell yeah. And he crushed. He crushed an MFP, which is, like, impossible. You're saying he fucking killed. Dude, his pigeon material was amazing. And at the end, he opened up his shirt and the pigeon flew out. He did. He caught it. He caught it. So he's going to be around. Like, I mean, he's a Grant Levitt. I, I don't know if I got, I don't think I caught his IG because I was just like so enthralled by the fact that like he was there for the mic. I love for this new magician comedian. <laughs> Maybe that's what it was. Like, he was just like trying to corral his, his lost birds. That's the subliminal messages throughout all of his jokes of like the pigeons will take over. Well, I hope you encounter some friendly pigeons over in... Where, where in Japan are you? Uh, Tokyo right now. We're going to Osaka tomorrow. Osaka? Mm-hmm. Osaka to me. Osaka to me, man. <laughs> All right. Be safe oh, out there. Yes, sir. Of course. I don't know what goodbye is in Japanese. I probably should have looked it up beforehand, but you should know those right. things. Nah, dude. <laughs> no, dude, just get it go as an American. It's going to be chill. Just, you know, fucking yeah. spreading the NASCAR, spreading the love. You know, it's... I, got, I got Google Translate. Dude, you're going to come back with a tattoo that says Roscoe's Fried Chicken and Waffles on it. I swear to God. <laughs> no, I will, dude. <laughs> also, shout out Roscoe's because that shit is delicious. Next time you're an L.A. podcast listener, you go ahead and check out Roscoe's. Because you know that it's a chain that they have in Tokyo. <laughs> Is it really? Not at all. Uh, but oh. you you enjoy. Remember our agreement. You have some. Uh, you have some vending machines to check out. So I will find out. I'll find what you're looking for. Thank you. Wake, wake, no judge. Yeah. All right. Hey, uh, take care of yourself, Jeff. All right. You too, Reed. I'll talk to you about two weeks more. All right. Later. Right. Bye. Just goes to show that you should never judge a crazed man chasing street birds around by their cover. They just might surprise you and crush at an open mic you happen to be hosting. Thanks again, Jeff, for hanging out and talking Cowboy Bebapu with me from halfway around the world. Alrighty, let's get into the background of the series before listing off some interesting facts, shall we? Cowboy Bebop is a Japanese neo-noir science fiction anime television series which originally ran from 1998 to 1999. It was created and animated by Sunrise, the prolific animation production studio, and before I get into the members of what became known as the Hajime Yatate, I'll use that as an example of how badly I tend to butcher Japanese names. So just know that it is in fact my great shame to hack through acknowledging the incredibly talented team that put together this iconic anime which was led by director Shinichiro Watanabe, screenwriter Keiko Nobumoto, character designer Toshihiro Kawamoto, mechanical designer Kimi Toshi Yamane, and composer Yoko Kano. The series, which ran for 26 episodes, dubbed Sessions, is set in the year 2071 and follows the lives of a traveling bounty hunter crew aboard a spaceship, the Bebop. That crew, of course, comprising of Spike Spiegel, Jet, Faye Valentine, Ed, and Ayn. 
Although it incorporates a wide variety of genres, the series draws most heavily from science fiction, western, and noir films. Its most prominent themes are existential ennui, loneliness, and the inability to escape one's past. The series was dubbed into English by Animes and ZRO Limit Productions and was originally licensed in North America by Bandai Entertainment. In 2001, it became the first anime title to be broadcast on Adult Swim. Shout out Adult Swim. One of the best things about Cowboy Bebop is its versatility. Fans can either watch the episodes in order or simply watch single episodes that pique their interests. That's because the show works on two narrative levels. Sure, watching the episodes as intended results in a meaningful but subdued arc. However, individual episodes can be just as fulfilling. This is because Watanabe treated each episode of Bebop as a short film. The practice not only helped prepare Watanabe for the eventual film, but it also worked out well for American viewers who sometimes caught episodes out of order on Cartoon Network's aforementioned Adult Swim. Speaking of the movie, an anime film titled Cowboy Bebop Knockin' on Heaven's Door, known in English as Cowboy Bebop the Movie, was released in Japan in September of 2001 and in the United States in August of 2002. Cowboy Bebop has been hailed as one of the greatest animated television series of all time. It was a critical and commercial success in both Japanese and international markets, most notably in the United States. It garnered several major anime and science fiction awards upon its release and received unanimous praise for its style, characters, story, voice acting, animation, and soundtrack. All for good reason, because every one of those aspects are amazing. The English dub was particularly lauded and is regarded as one of the best anime dubs. Credited with helping to introduce anime to a new wave of Western viewers in the early 2000s, Cowboy Bebop has also been called a gateway series for anime nerds as a whole. This might be difficult to believe, but when Spike Spiegel and company premiered in Japan, they weren't necessarily all too well received. In fact, TV Tokyo only aired 12 of the anime's 26 episodes, as the others were considered too mature for a general audience. The show's depiction of violence and drugs came at a bad time in Japan's history. An increase in violence, especially in schools, not to mention the 1995 sarin gas attack perpetrated by Omshin Rikyo, had the country a little bit on edge. As a result, Cowboy Bebop was briefly cancelled and Session XX Mishmash Blues was born. The session, created as the final episode to the 12 that aired, never made it stateside. The episode featured clips from the previous episodes and philosophical commentary from the main characters. It ended with a statement promising fans that they would see the quote, real Cowboy Bebop someday. Luckily, their words became reality as Bebop finally completely aired without censor on Japan's WOWOW satellite network later that year. The musical style was emphasized in many of the episode titles such as Asteroid Blues, Jupiter Jazz, Mushroom Samba, and Boogie Woogie Feng Shui to name a few. Yoko Kano's genius border-crossing soundtrack helped to cement the anime in history. Surprisingly, Kano didn't grow up with jazz or the blues. As a young adult, she traveled to America and heard jazz and funk music for the first time. And this experience influenced the anime's soundtrack, which was recorded by The Seatbelts, a space jazz band that Kano put together just for Cowboy Bebop. In fact, the prolific band completed the soundtrack for the show before the characters and story were even finalized. That means that Cowboy Bebop's story drew influence from the music and not vice versa. Multiple philosophical themes are explored using the characters, including existentialism, existential boredom, loneliness, and the effect of the past on the protagonists. 
Other concepts referenced include environmentalism and capitalism. The series also makes specific references to or pastiches multiple films, including the works of John Woo and Bruce Lee, Midnight Run, 2001 A Space Odyssey, and Alien. The series also includes extensive references and elements from science fiction, bearing strong similarities to the cyberpunk fiction of William Gibson. Several planets and space stations in the series are made up in Earth's image. The streets of celestial objects such as Ganymede resembles a modern port city, while Mars features shopping malls, theme parks, casinos, and other cities. Cowboy Bebop's universe is filled with video players and hyperspace gates, eco-politics and fairgrounds, spaceships, and Native American shamans. This setting has been described as, quote, one part Chinese dysphoria and two parts Wild West. Two Cowboy Bebop manga series adaptations have been released, both published by Kadokawa Shoten and serialized in Asuka Fantasy DX. The first manga series, titled Cowboy Bebop Shooting Star and illustrated by Kane Kuga, was serialized from October issue 1997 before the anime series release to July issue 1998. It was collected into two volumes in 1998, the first one in May and the second one in September. The second manga series, simply titled Cowboy Bebop, and illustrated by Yutaka Nanten, was serialized by November issue 1998 to March issue 2000. It was collected into three volumes, the first two in April and October of 1999, and the third one in April of 2000. Both manga series were licensed by Tokyo Pop for release in North America. I guess all that's to say is that it's a bit of a misnomer to say that the manga were released subsequent to the anime series, because I suppose they were released concurrently. So... There you go. Wouldn't mind getting my mitts on a set of those. A Cowboy Bebop video game developed and published by Bandai was released in Japan for the PlayStation in 1998. A PlayStation 2 video game, Cowboy Bebop Sioku no Serenade, was released in Japan only in 2005 with an English version that had been set for release in North America. However, in January 2007, IGN reported that the release had likely been cancelled, speculating that it did not survive Bandai's merger with Namco. A deck-building board game, Cowboy Bebop Space Serenade, was released in 2019 to preclude the live-action revamp. In 2017, it was announced that an American live-action adaptation of the series was being developed by Tomorrow Studios, with executive production handled by Sunrise. Christopher Yost was to write the series, and Netflix announced that it would distribute it with John Cho, Mustafa Shakir, Daniela Pineda, and Alex Hassel having been cast. Production was shut down in October 2019 due to a knee injury sustained by Cho, setting production back more than six months. It was revealed before release that the director of the anime series, Shinichiro Watanabe, had been hired as a creative consultant. That always helps. Production in New Zealand resumed following a COVID-19 lockdown in the country, and the series was released eventually on November 19th, 2021 to mixed reviews, and later in December it was announced that it would not be renewed for a second season, with Netflix cancelling it entirely. The series seemed to be doomed from the start. Not that Jeff had anything to do with that. It's his favorite show. Alright, time to load up some rapid-fire facts about the anime series and live-action series. You know, Jeff's favorite of the two. The Bounty Hunter team aboard the Bebop is a collection of unique individuals with very different personalities and backgrounds. However, it seems that all the crew members began their journey roughly around the same time, three years prior to the events of the series. Spike getting away from Dragon Syndicate and teaming up with Jet, who left ISSP, happened three years before the start of the show. Further, at that time when Jet and Spike were becoming a duo, Faye woke from her cryogenic sleep and Edward left his home. 
Maybe around the same time, Ayn was getting experimented on to become a data dog, but we actually never find out too much about Ayn's origin during the series. Spike Oz's massive appeal and unique design to Yusaku Matsuda, more specifically the actor's portrayal of Shunsaku Kudo on the popular Japanese show Tante Monogatari. Unfortunately, Matsuda died young at the age of 37 in 1980. However, his influence on the Japanese film industry lives on and obviously greatly affected Watanabe in his design. Speaking of real-life influences, otakus, aka anime nerds, always love to get their hands on props from their favorite anime shows, but they can never get those weapons in real life because all of them are based on fiction. In the case of Cowboy Bebop, it is possible to get your hands on the steel used in the anime, being that the creators of the series used real-life guns as a reference for making the weapons in the show. If you want, you can get yourself a Spike Spiegel gun, which is an IMI Jericho 941R. Now, you know I always love a good Star Trek reference, and there's a great nod to the ill-fated Enterprise B from Star Trek Generations. Faye Valentine's cryo chamber was number NCC-1701B, the flagship's registry. In session 4, Bohemian Rhapsody, we meet Chessmaster Hex, a genius chess player who was once blinded by vengeance but is now just a senile old man. As his plan to get back at the Gate Corporation for firing him goes into motion, the old man blissfully plays chess against online opponents. Ed, being the resident genius on the Bebop, starts a tense game with the former chess master, eventually losing to him. One might assume that the move in Ed's game and the one before it are arbitrary, however that's not the case. In fact, the matches played in this episode reenact two famous matches, Paul Morphy vs. Adolf Anderson in 1858 and Paul Morphy vs. John William Shulton in 1857. Morphy, like Hex, won both of these matches. What were the moves that he used to win? I have no idea. Chess is definitely not my game. Turns out the creators of the show are fans of the Great Bambino, aka Babe Ruth. In episode 19 titled Wild Horses, three criminals whom Spike and crew want to hunt down are named George, Harmon, and Ruth, Babe Ruth's full name. Now, the live-action show is full of little easter eggs and nods to the original anime. The show's very first scene is set in Watanabe Casino, a nod to original series director Shinichiro Watanabe, of course. Eagle-eyed fans may also notice that Anna, the proprietor of an underground jazz club frequented by Spike, keeps a picture of composer Yoko Kano in her office. For the episode that follows the events of the anime episode Ballad of Fallen Angels, the creative team even built the cathedral set in extreme detail, down to crafting the same red and black tile floors. The live-action episode also mirrors several exact shots from the anime itself. In that respect, I'd say they did it pretty good justice. On top of composing new original music for the live-action version, Yoko Kano reunited with musicians who performed for the original anime. The artists from her band Seatbelts, which was formed of course in 1998 for the anime, came together for the first time since 2004 to bring the all-new soundtrack to the screen. In addition to new originals, songs from the anime were re-recorded for the live-action show. Spike Spiegel's iconic blue suit is full of hidden details as well. Its silver buttons have the kanji symbol for water, his trophy belt buckle has a Japanese wave, and the inside of his suit jacket is printed with roses in reference to his past with Julia. To complement the latter, Julia's costuming is also full of roses, and many pieces were hand-painted by the costume team. Of all the complex sets, the Bebop, an interplanetary fishing trawler, took the longest to build. 
Set decorator Annika Botha and her team found a real-life fishing trawler in Tauranga, New Zealand and stripped its insides to decorate the bebop for the show in a further attempt at authenticity. The ship's guts, including the piping, engines, and machinery were also used to decorate the bebop. All in all, it took the team a full 12 weeks to build. But I guess that doesn't matter to guys like Jeff Morris, who just hates on the live-action version no matter what. So, whatever, Jeff. Why don't you build something cool in 12 weeks? Anyway, these tidbits are just a few of the juiciest morsels I was able to skim off of the fat of the internet, so for an incredibly thorough list of trivia pertaining to the anime series and manga, definitely check out the Cowboy Bebop forum on funtrivia.com, which is just a fun site in general for all you nerds out there. I'd like to thank my sources for this week's episode, including CBR.com, Fandom.com, OtakuCart.com, FunTrivia.com, and of course Wikipedia.com, because if it's on Wikipedia, it was probably uploaded by a cybernetically enhanced corgi with ulterior motives. What's that? That's the 1940s getting patched through from St. Louis! Let's hop on the Pennsylvania 65000 to enlist for next week's episode on one of the most formative decades of the 20th century, with a specific dive into popular works coming out of the golden age of science fiction, with works by authors like Isaac Asimov, Arthur C. Clarke, and Robert Heinlein. The big three, if you will, and no, I'm not making a joke about their waistlines. Although one easily could. And just did. Joining us for that decade dive is a Shady Pines Radio family member, the incredibly talented Aaron Schur. The episode airs Tuesday, April 25th from 8 to 9 a.m. only on Shady Pines Radio. Speaking of Shady Pines, we not only just turned three, but the second annual festival was just announced as well. Follow at Shady Pines Radio on the socials for updates on how to get your tickets for that amazing three-day festival at the beautiful Red Mud Ranch located in Oregon City, Oregon. In the meantime, visit us online at ShadyPinesRadio.com 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 369 days a year, or download the free Shady Pines Radio app for Android and iOS to gain access to amazing content emanating from the Pacific Northwest and beyond. Well, you've waited long enough. Here's guest comedian Jeff Morris slinging the ha-has. Enjoy! There, we're here to party. Everybody's here on a Saturday night. You guys chose this. You said, we're gonna be here on a Saturday night. I could be out bumping and grinding, getting dirty, throwing it back, but I chose stand-up comedy, and I appreciate that, guys. Thank you. Give it up for yourself. Oh, man. I'm getting to an age in my life where I'm just like, I don't want to be here. I do not want to be here. I just want to be in bed eating Taco Bell like nobody loves me. Just always eating Taco Bell in bed. That's the only place that you can eat Taco Bell, you know? If you're doing it anywhere, like at a table, who the fuck are you? You're gross. You too look like you eat Taco Bell at a table, and I'm not, uh, I'm, com I'm uncomfortable with that. It makes me feel weird. Eat it in your bed like a grown-up, and then let it spill and don't clean it up. <laughs> like a feral animal like you are the rest of us. Don't act like you're better than me, glasses. I see you. You're like, my glasses are better than his. Fuck you, dude. My ex, 
She was big into crystals. Any wannabe witches here? <laughs> no? No big crystal kids? That's cool. I don't really care, honestly. If that's what you're into, that's what you're into. If you want to be a witch, be a witch. That's cool. Flip side is, she would come to me and say, Jeff, you're immature and childish because you like anime, video games. And I was like, bitch, you fucking play with rocks, all right? Those are just Legos from the ground, all right? Get the fuck out of here. Don't act like better than me. This glasses guy. You and I, I'm gonna fight you after this, man. We're gonna have a fucking problem if you keep looking at me with that stupid face. Comedy's so easy, everybody. You just make fun of somebody and you get laughs. You're just an asshole on stage and it works. Cool. What do I have next? Let's see. Mm -mm -mm. That's it. Alright. I'm going on vacation, everybody. Woo! Hell yeah! I saw that Japan had a breeding visa, and I was like, I'm buying that ticket right now. It's been a little bit, everybody. <laughs> Gotta, just, uh, I'm leading the march. I'm just gonna lead a march of nerds that were like, I'm putting down my body pillow, it's my fucking time, everybody. I'm getting out there, and then we're gonna get over there, and then not get laid, because Japanese women have standards too. <laughs> so that's how that works. So stupid. <laughs> Glasses, have you been to Japan? I have not. No? No? Okay. What about you, Flannel? Not yet. Not yet? Do you want to go? Absolutely not. Why not, dude? <laughs> it's just a bunch of, This is a room of people that think they're better than me? <laughs> Fuck you, too. We're gonna go fight and kiss in the fucking parking lot after this. Why don't you want to go to Japan? What? It's um, like all the way over there. <laughs> I was like, I gotta swim there. I gotta like swim all the way there, man. I don't know if my car is up for that. Do you want to learn some Japanese right now, dude? Sure. Okay. You ready for this? It's an old proverb. It's you say it with me here. Boku. Boku. No. No. Chin chin. Chin chin. Chisai. Chisai. Desu. Desu. Now you say it. Boku. No, no. No, no. <laughs> One more time. Boku no chin chin. Boku no chin chin desu. Chi chisai. Chisai desu. Gross, dude. Don't tell me about your small fucking cock. <laughs> hey, everybody. Flannel's got a small dick. This guy's got a small penis. He just told me. You seem nice, dude. You could probably make pets swim. You could do it. It's not that bad. <laughs> I was getting lunch earlier today. Chipotle. I love fast food, everybody. What are you? Woo! Wait, did you woo flannel guy? <laughs> no? <Yeah. laughs> now I don't like you anymore. Chipotle's dope. Get out of here. <laughs> Chipotle's sick, everybody. Oh, man. So good. And I was getting lunch there. I was getting the ball right here, cradled like a football. I'm not losing that bitch. And, uh,. This guy with his family, he was walking in opposing to me. He was with his kid and his wife. It might have been Ike's, I don't know. No, there was only one kid. <laughs> and, and I thought I heard when I walked past him, I thought I heard him say, watch for white people. And I didn't like that, everybody. I kind of got a little offended. You know, I was sitting there and was stewing on it. 
And I thought about it a little bit more, and I was like, you know what, he's probably right. I get mistaken for Jake Paul pretty frequently. Oh, <laughs> 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 that guy's a fucking problem. <laughs> it looked like if Jake Paul sold acid, acid everybody. <laughs> I only sell mushrooms. <laughs> yeah, I spit on that guy's kid, too, you know? I was like, fucking, your dad said it. It's the truth. Fuck these white people. I'm your fucking boogeyman, everybody. Don't fuck with me, man. I let the intrusive thoughts win. Yeah. That's what it is. I, I let them win, everybody. Intrusive thoughts. <laughs> wow. Red hair in the back over here. Yeah, you. When you got your hair dyed, were you like, I let the intrusive thoughts win. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you did. Try again, Becky. All right? That's a sad, intrusive thought. Try again. I'm on a different level, Becky. You look at me in the eyes and know that we're different. We're very different. My kind of intrusive thought, everybody? Driving down the highway, and I'm like, I could start a 10 car pile up right now. <laughs> I'm ready to start some shit. This oncoming semi, I want to know how deep into that motherfucker can I get. Get on in there, man. Do I kick a baby? I do. I want to kick a baby. I've, I've wanted to since I've been big enough to kick a baby. I'm just like, get the fuck. Up there, through the field goal. <laughs> I haven't kicked a baby yet. <laughs> My brother just had one. We're, we're finding where we're going to go with that. <laughs> Flannel, you kicked the baby yet? <laughs> That's a lie. Yeah, he is. Small dick kicks babies. Fuck you, dude. <laughs> Get out of here, man. No. I saw a bumper sticker that said, Jesus loves you. And I've always kind of wondered. I've been atheist my whole life. My mom's in the back. She pooped me out. And I was like, you know what? God's not real. <laughs> this isn't true. Right, Mom? She was there. <laughs> yeah, no. Atheist my whole life. And I was just kind of wondering. I was like, what does Jesus' love feel like, everybody? Flannel, you know Jesus? Like, <laughs> do you know Jesus? Yeah. Yeah, you you know Jesus. What does Jesus feel like? What does his love feel like? I don't care anymore. <laughs> and so I like I was just like, what does Jesus' love feel like? And so I just rear-ended that guy. I got right in there. I was like, you know what? Getting in there. Turns out Jesus' love feels like neck pain, everybody. Did not feel good, but I am here to tell you that I'm a changed man. I'm a new person. I'm a Christian comic now. <laughs> I'm here. Let's start singing it, everybody. My God is an awesome God. My God. No. Could you imagine? How funny would that be? I was just like, this is fucking, this is Jesus' love. No, I've always thought that Christians were kind of like used car salesmen. You know? I like to, like, I'll do an impression. I like to think that, like, they're Italian, you know? He's like, hey, yo, hey, fucking, you take out this loan, we'll get you up into heaven, you know? 
All you're gonna do is let us touch your kids. It's cool, bro. <laughs> And then they go into the back and they're just railing lines. They're like, yo, fuck it, that fucking Jesus in heaven bullshit works every time, everybody. <laughs> they're just selling you on lies. That's what that is. All right, I got one last thing and it's been making me happy recently and I hope it makes you happy. My dad, my Republican dad before he died at age like 50 something, uh, started vaping He just said I'm gonna get really into this <laughs> this is my thing now he got a jewel he was like I'm done smoking I'm gonna vape and I like to think that like he went into the direction that like frat bros go with it where they're like dude I'm gonna start blowing clouds Ooh. <laughs> I start seeing my dad at festivals he's got fucking pit vipers on and he goes by dry now <laughs> so, like, hey you know my fucking aunt Hey, you know Skrillex? He's like my favorite artist right now, dude. That's sick. <laughs> well, flannel, let's go make out. <laughs> I've been Jeff Morris, everybody. Thank you so much. <laughs> So full of energy. Thank you. Uh, so you mentioned you mentioned you you were trying to get a breeding visa to <laughs> Japan. Yeah, dude. Uh, so I got my question is two parter. I got a yeah. two parter. Uh, part one: mm -hmm. uh, Will they give you that visa once they find out you're just gonna go there to try to punt babies? <laughs> uh, part number two: If you get the breeding visa and you go to Japan, uh, what are you what are you gonna do? Um, so, part one, right here off the gates, I'm 6'2", D1 athletes, pumping them out, you know? I feel like they really want this seed, and I'm ready to give it. Okay. Okay. Yes. Uh, what was part two? Once you get there with the breeding visa, and you're there with your Japanese honey, what are you doing? Dude, fucking smush. Oh, okay. Yeah, man. I'm gonna fucking throw down. Okay. Yeah. So that that's how you're gonna that's so money. That's how you're gonna make. It. <laughs> yeah, I don't have any, but I'll make it work. Yeah. Yeah. That's your profession. The, the conversion rate for yen is kind of good right now. Okay. All right. <laughs> you just got like a nest egg here that you're gonna take with you. Oh, my right. mom's in the back. She'll oh, okay. There we go. There we go. Okay. Now we go. Jeff Morris's mom's gonna go to Japan. Everybody's gonna be great. Get up for Jeff Morris. Jeff Morris.